All right, we are back. Terry and Gary's Low Expectations podcast. You notice someone's missing. That's Terry again. Rhino, where are you? Hey, we got some great guests today. We got the first, one of the first female professional managers ever in the pro, pro boxing, correct? Jackie Callen. And we got our good friend, world champion boxer, Bronco McCart. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. I'm great. So, uh, pro boxing. No. How did you get into pro boxing, Jackie? Oh, I was going to say, you're talking to me or to Bronco? No. Because um, we have two completely different paths how we got into the sport. That's for sure. Bronco and I, we have different routes. But um, I was a journalist writing for a daily newspaper, and I was covering sports back in the mid-'70s when there weren't women covering sports, uh, very few anyways. And I started out covering football, baseball, basketball, hockey, and I got an assignment to interview Tommy Hearns, a young boxer that had turned pro in Detroit. And that piqued my interest in the sport. And I've been involved in it ever since for 43 years. But I went through a lot of different hats that I wore. First, I was a boxing writer, then a boxing publicist. I worked for Tommy in the Kronk gym for probably about 10 years before I started managing, which was in 88. And then I turned Bronco Pro in 92, and uh, I'm still managing now. So it's it's a lifelong career for me. But before Tommy Hearns, that interview, you never had any inkling as far as boxing goes at all? Oh, my God. I've never even seen a live boxing match. I mean, I knew, obviously, I knew about boxing. I, right. you know, seen Muhammad Ali and Joe Lewis, and I was aware of the sport, of course, but I'd never been to a live fight. And so... You know, it was it was crazy for me because it was like a totally new experience, but I absolutely loved it from the start. It was like I just fell in love with the sport and I realized what it took for a person to get in those ropes, climb through and face another person who is there trying to basically take your head off. And I thought it was so interesting that the person could be a very kind gentle intelligent person outside the ring and then they climb through those ropes and they turn into like a completely different animal so i got interested in it from the psychological viewpoint from that perspective yeah. and that's what kind of hooked me and then the more i got to know about it the more i love the sport and the more i wanted to be involved and uh it's a lifelong thing. I don't think I'll ever get out of boxing till they have to, you know, lift me up and put me by the ring. So speaking of that, the psychological thing, Bronco, can you expand on that as far as, because uh, I've known you for a long time. You're, you're just a sweet, lovable teddy bear right outside the ring. And then when you get in the ring, you're trying to kill somebody. So. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It, there is a switch. You know, I always say it takes a special kind of person to be a professional fighter, whether it be in boxing, MMA or whatever, but there is something about that middle rope when you, duck under you duck it's like there's a switch in the back of your head when you duck under it's almost like that rope clicks it on and say all right it's time to you, you dislike this person you want to do everything you can to i mean to to beat this person you never seriously want to injure another fighter i mean you want to stop him you want to knock him out if you can or her or whatever but you never seriously want anybody to get injured like when people say oh, i want to kill that guy you really don't want to kill nobody you know nobody wants to live with that on the conscious but 
there is something about it when you step under. It's just, it's the, it's the, like you could be smiling, you know, you get, boom, everything just changes. And even, even to this day, if I ever go into a gym just to mess around and get in the shadow box, there's something about just ducking under that rope, man. You're, it just takes you to a, a different mind, just a whole different mind path and a whole different mindset. Do you find but it hard? You have to know, I'm sorry, yeah. but you have to know how to, you know, turn it back off when you get out too. You know, it's like you're two separate people, but you are one person. You see that a lot in pro sports. Uh, people have trouble turning it off once they get out of off the field or off the court or out of the ring, like you said. So that's got to be a tricky, a tricky thing to, to manage. It, you know, really, believe it or not, it's it's necessarily not an easy thing. You know, I mean, um, but 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 you know, like I said, you're you're a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. When you're in that ring, you're 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 the bad person. When you're outside that ring, you're you 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 know, you're just a normal everyday human being. Whether you're a, a father. Or a, a mom, a brother, whatever you are, you know, you just want to just live life and, and get along with everybody and, and, and just be normal, I guess. Well, when you said you, you go into that middle rope and that switch turns on, even when you're sparring, is there a, is there a, a tendency to go too hard in sparring or you try to pull back a little bit or. I mean, you, you know, Jack, Jackie, Jackie will tell you, you know, we, we had, we basically had two, two rings in her gym. The, the one ring was when the guys that were really going to seriously get in there and, and go to go to work, go to war. And the other ring might have been for either um, lesser level fighters or, or you know, more of a, of, a, of a learning type of fighter. But James Tony and, and Jackie's gym had that one ring and he had he wanted dogs only. He would say in that ring. He'd bring dog biscuits in there, wouldn't he, Jackie? Throw them in the ring. Absolutely. With the yeah. But you know what, Bronco, you're an exception because you are such a gentleman um, outside the ring and you're such an exemplary person in every way and we both know that a lot of boxers don't have that switch that you talk about and they are sometimes more like their in the ring personality even outside the ring whether that's actually how they are or whether they want to keep up that tough guy persona when they're on the street I don't know because it's different with every fighter but I don't know that everyone has that same switch that you have or that switch is in a different place or isn't as easily accessible to them. So how, how did you guys link up together? You started well, well I, I saw Bronco fighting as an amateur and I saw a lot of potential there. I thought he was very, um, not only just a good fighter, but I thought he was very marketable, his personality, his looks. And he was on his way to the Nationals. And I said, when you get back from the Nationals um, and you win it, I assumed he was going to win it. I said, then we'll sign a contract. And let's get moving. And he didn't win it. You know, there's a lot of politics in amateurs and you can win a fight and not get the win. And that didn't bother me at all. I still wanted him very much. And I, I saw a world title in his future and I wanted to, to be a part of that. And I wanted to make it happen for him. So um, we signed a contract and got started and he got his world title and very well deserved. I might say he, he did everything right in the ring and he lived right outside the ring and it takes both. And uh, like I say, he's the perfect example of what a boxer should be. And speak of James Tony, uh, you also managed him. And who else have you managed? Oh, my gosh. Um, there's so many of them. Pinklin Thomas, Boom Boom Johnson, Damian Fuller, T 
Tarek Salmasi, Bernard Harris, Johnny Walker, um, Michael Dallas, Jose Celaya, a lot of a lot of guys. Reggie Lacree. Now I'm working with Mike Quan Williams, who's an undefeated 140 pounder. But I've been very blessed because I've had the opportunity to work with some really good, talented fighters. Some were better than others. Some were nicer than others. But um, each one had something very special about them, which is why I was interested. And as far as manager goes, what, what do you do um, like for, as a manager? Do you, do you promote the fights or do you get the fights? Do you help them you know, see their potential as far as uh, marketing and uh, uh, avenues like that? Or what, what does a manager, a boxing, professional boxing manager do? Well, I think it's uh, different managers take on different roles. I think that there's the, the manager who signs a contract and is there to collect their percentage. And basically they have other interests and they do other things. That's just an investment for them. Um, some are more hands-on. I personally like to get very involved with my boxers and they're kind of like family to me. And it's more than just negotiating in the contract or finding the right opponent at the right time. It's really in, in trying to get into their heads and understand what motivates them so that you can be the cheerleader that they need and, and be their support system. And, you know, boxing is like a really a four lane highway because you've got the fighter in one lane and then you've got his trainer in another lane, the managers in the third lane. And then if you're lucky, you have a promoter in the fourth lane. And if everybody stays in their lane and does their job, it works out beautifully because everybody focuses on what they're supposed to be doing. And I think that when it's running smoothly, it's great. And when it isn't, it's like a, a, a car wreck because you cross over into someone else's lane and you're going to have a problem. Bronco, do you think managing is something you'd ever want to do uh, as far as in the boxing community? Uh, I mean, I've, I've thought about it. Actually, actually, probably myself, if I was going to do more, it'd be along the line of training. Um, yeah. I think that would be more, more of my avenue. Um, and of course, if I had, if I had the right, if I had the right fighter that came along, um, I definitely would like to, you know, help promote and or, uh, manage and guide um, in the right steps. But, uh, you know, I just think it's, it's, you know, it's a different sport now um, than it was when, 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 when Jackie was, I mean, Jackie was the hottest thing in boxing. She had James Tony. He at that time he was pound for pound number one guy in the world, and uh, Jackie was, um, you know, she was just she was just set, breaking all kinds of ceilings, you know, doing all kinds of things that that nobody in um as a female had ever done in boxing. She's the most successful female manager in boxing. Um, she would get you in doors that that you couldn't get in. I remember one time we were in Las Vegas and uh, we were <laughs> we were going to go into some fights and I didn't have tickets, and Jackie was like, "Listen, just act like you know what you're doing and you'll get in." I said, "Okay." So I walked to the door. You remember this, Jackie? I, I walked do. To the door. Okay. And Sean O'Grady and uh, Albert, or uh, uh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but from USA Tuesday Night Fights was uh, at a table. And I walked to the door and security said, hey, uh, no tickets. And I said, hey, Sean. He said, hey, Bob, why are you doing? He waved. And I said, hey, they're going to interview me. He said, oh, go on in. So I went in, talked to him for like two minutes and sat down in the front row. So she always, she, I learned that my whole life. She said, when you walk into a place, always act like you belong and, 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 and things will go your way that night. I've always used that to this day. That's some good information. Do you know where you belong, Terry? You belong, belong on a show at 4 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies, Jackie and uh, Bronco. Uh, 
I, uh, about a month and a half ago, I slipped in the shower and, uh, I tore up my back. I, I wish I would have fallen, but, uh, anyways, uh, so I've been nursing my back and I had a chiropractor's appointment. I'm, I'm good now, but, uh, two weeks ago, everything that was tight loosened up and I had a bulging disc, which I couldn't Ouch. even, I don't know if you guys ever had a bulging disc and a pinched nerve in your lower back. Oh, it was, it's so painful. You know, so the last two weeks I've been really nursing it, a lot of chiropractic care. Um, well, yeah. glad to see you here now. That's it's well, never too late to, to join in. Right. On my way home, I've got this old truck and uh, she's about 16 years old and uh, the uh, four wheel drive lights coming on and I'm racing to get home and I'm like, oh, man, get <laughs> I don't want anybody to wait. So please start without me. And then I turned it on and. So I just so you know, Jackie, I ask all the dumb questions like, have you oh, ever good. seen Rookie? You know, like <laughs> bring it on. Give me a dumb one. Right. Give me well, a dumb question. I would ask a question is, have you ever seen the movies Rocky? And what were your thoughts? <laughs> oh, that's a for me, that's a great question. Because before I actually went to my first fight, I saw the first Rocky. Uh-huh. Fell in love with the sport, fell in love with the star fell in love with the whole aura. Right. So go forward two years and I go to my first fight. Now I'm involved in boxing myself. So I have a different appreciation for it. Now I want to meet Sylvester Stallone because we can right. talk about boxing. He right. played a fighter. I'm in boxing, right? right. So two years later, um, maybe it was three years later, I think it was at the uh, first Leonard Hurd's fight in 81. I actually got to meet him and talk to him. And uh, then we became friends over the years. Years later, we did the contender together on NBC and had the same locker room, same dressing room. I don't know why everything to me is a locker room. But we had the same dressing room. And, you know, I spent a few months together with him and spent a lot of time hearing his stories and that. But I've seen every Rocky, every Rambo, every Creed. Um any movie that has anything to do with boxing believe me i've seen it what i just realized is you're way cooler than myself and gary put together (laughs) that's obvious i don't know about that you guys are pretty cool where um where did you guys film the contender was it in south philly no we we filmed it in pasadena california they had a big um set there where the home was on the top level where the guys lived the ring and the training center were on the lower level and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a really good show. And I still stay in touch with most of the guys, three of them Mm -hmm. have passed, but of the other guys, you know, we all stay in touch and uh, it was a great experience. It was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. See, Rhino, there's no dumb questions. There's just questions not asked. And I kind of like the dumb ones better because the the typical ones you've answered so many times. And the right. dumb ones are the really juicy good ones. Right, right. Now, Rocky, I assume you've uh, watched uh, Rocky, and what were your thoughts on? You know, did that draw you in, or what else drew you in? Rock, what is, I'm, I'm not familiar. What is Rocky? Rocky. Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> you got no, it. yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I think, I think, I think the generation of fighters that came up when I came up all got drawn in because of the Rocky movies. Yeah. I swear, you know, I mean, I remember training as a young teenager and, and, and trying to drink the raw eggs and 
do you know i mean honest to god being in the kitchen and cracking raw eggs and trying all that stuff you know and um so yeah it, it definitely it definitely was probably one of the most um inspirational boxing movies of all time i mean i think a lot of people you can't hear dun, 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 you, know, you know right away and, and i think you know I, I still have that in my uh in my headset for when i when i'm jogging and stuff like that so yeah that movie definitely definitely played a part yeah for sure I remember watching that as a kid, you know, wanted to be a boxer and stuff. Yeah. So I took the pro wrestling show business route. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Now, um, Jackie, uh, I don't know if Gary asked you this question as far as like boxing. Um, and then was there a little bit of show business brought in? Cause with wrestling and pro wrestling, it's more, more, uh, show business. It seems. And at times it, it gets away from the athletics, of wrestling, um, even though it's kind of um, geared towards more of a show, but the theatrics sometimes starts to outweigh the the in-ring performance. Um, was there a time, did you see like boxing when they would have ring music or, you know, did you see a point where they tried to bring a little bit of show business into boxing, like with ring entrances or before or after or to hype something? Well, I, I'm a big believer in that. I love that. Uh, you know, one time when Bronco fought um, at an Indian casino, um, I hired um, like a whole bunch of Native Americans to do the ring walk with their, you know, tomahawks and their drums and give them an authentic Indian entrance. And mm -hmm. I like that. I love Macho Camacho because of his costumes. I love... Um, fighters that have a personality who you recognize them right away, like a Floyd Mayweather or somebody that's colorful. That's what I love about wrestling is that, you know, the personalities mm -hmm. and I get so upset when people say, Oh, it's just fake. Those guys get really hurt. I don't have to tell you, you have to be a terrific athlete to be a professional wrestler. Yes. It's a show, but it's very athletic. And I really think boxing needs a little bit more of that. I think it would be more marketable if people recognize each fighter by their own personality, their own look. Tyson Fury is the one that I think makes very good use of that. You know Tyson Fury yeah, uh, when he comes in the ring. And I, I think that's a great point because I think that would help our sport. Yeah. What do you think Actually, Actually, um, Muhammad Ali said he emulated himself from Gorgeous George, the yes, wrestler, way right. way back in the day. Yeah, and then remember Prince Nassim Hamed used to have the most the most grand, best, greatest ring entrances ever, and grab the top rope and flip over the top. And uh, so yeah, it's great. It is great. And Floyd Mayweather, how he really got his change over was when he did the uh, WWE at the time when he yeah. got in there and fought the big show, and then he became then he became instead of Pretty Boy Floyd, he became uh, Money Mayweather. And that kind of started his brand and his finances just took off after that. Right. Now let's go back to uh, Jackie, as far as you said, you started off as a, uh, as a journalist. I read somewhere that you interviewed like the Rolling Stones, uh, Elvis Presley. Is that, is that true? Oh, absolutely. Um, in my career, and I had a very long 25 year career as a journalist for one particular paper. So I, covered the Oscars, the Emmys, the Grammys, the Tonys. I traveled around and did all the film junk. And so I knew all the big movie stars, but I did get to interview Elvis, which very few people did. Um, Michael Jackson. I had the Rolling Stones at my house for dinner. 
I covered the Beatles at Chase Stadium. A lot of really um, legendary, iconic people that I got to spend time with. So, you know, presidents, uh, you know, Trump, Clinton, um, almost every big famous athlete from Magic Johnson, Abdul Jabbar. I mean, I've really been blessed. So I've met some very interesting people along the way. And I think that has really shaped my life because you take away a little something from each person that you meet. And I've had such a wide, diverse group of people that I've met that, you know, I think it's only enhanced me as a person. Anybody stand out above the rest? Uh, I mean, interviewing Elvis, I mean, there was a handful of interviews I've ever seen him do. So, I mean, that's kind of, kind of iconic. Uh, yeah. Elvis, Elvis stands out a lot. And Frank Sinatra, those two stand out a lot. They walk in a room and you knew they were in the room. Michael Jackson had that too. There was just something different about all three of them. Um, the air was different when they were around you. It's hard to explain, but they were so iconic that you almost had an image of them that was bigger than life. And then when they're right there in front of you, it was kind of hard to blend what you pictured them as and the person sitting in front of you. It's very interesting. Yeah, because they always say, don't meet your heroes. And then, and of course, I met Rhino and then George. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's all downhill from there. All downhill from there. Now, so. now I, w I grew up a big Elvis fan. I, I don't know about Gary and Bronco, but, um, you know, my, my mom and my, my parents really loved Elvis. And um, you, you said they're, like, larger than life, and, you know. And, like, when you when they walked in the room, were you a little starstruck? I mean, you're there for a professional reason. Um, like, what was your thoughts? Like, you knew you were going to meet, like, Elvis. Like, like, were you just drawn back? Did you have to compose yourself? Like, you know, like. No. You know, it's funny, but I've always been kind of a confident person myself and very fearless. I'm not afraid of anything or anyone. And I don't get awestruck or intimidated. So it was just kind of I was excited to meet him because obviously you're meeting Elvis. That's a big thing. But I wasn't um, intimidated in any way. I was just real anxious to meet him and see what he was like. And uh, I thought it was going to be a memorable experience, which it really was. But I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I've met anyone where I was uncomfortable or yeah. felt out of place. Yeah. Just so you know, if I ever meet James Vanderbeek, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to start crying. Like one of those girls when the, the Beatles came off the plane, I'm going to lose it. I'm a big fan of Dawson's Creek. So don't judge me, Bronco. Don't judge me, Gary. Oh, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to. Right, right. <laughs> so, so that we're going to do now, we're going to talk about secret TV shows we, we watch. Uh, we don't want nobody to know. Just don't tell me that you watch the Kardashians. No, I don't. Nope. I don't. <laughs> so. I don't hear Bronco. Yeah, Kardashians? Yeah. No. I, yeah. I don't really know. I, I mean, I, I'm a Judge Judy fan and uh, mm -hmm. Judge Millian. I watch all the Judge shows. Judge uh, Greg Mathis. I watch all the Judge shows all day long. Then at nighttime, everybody loves Raymond and King of Queens. It's kind of like my life. Very <laughs> good shows. Very good shows. So when you broke into boxing, uh, Jackie, I mean, it has to be. It had to be a boys' club. I mean, there wasn't that many women, as far as I know, promoting it or managing or anything like that. So, I mean, how, how was how hard was it to actually get in? And do did you feel like you fit in right away, or did it take time, or was there obstacles you had to overcome? Or 
Well, all of the above, you know, obviously there's always obstacles when you're entering a new field, when you're the total fish out of water and there were no other women. So it wasn't like there were a few others that I could pick up a phone and call and say, how did you handle this? Or how did you deal with that situation? I just had to figure it out on my own. But like I said, I'm a, I'm a pretty comfortable, confident person. So I really didn't let anything stand in my way. I pretty much knew what I wanted to accomplish. And the times when there were the haters or the people that said, you can't do this, or the times when they didn't let me in the locker rooms and they didn't let me get in the ring with my fighters. And I saw all the male managers doing it, but they wouldn't let me. You know, I just had to gradually earn my respect, make my way in the business so that eventually they did let me do the things that the men were doing. But I didn't throw a tantrum and yell and scream. And I kind of always kept my composure. I didn't change the way I dressed or acted. You know, I still kept my own genuine femininity and didn't try to be one of the guys, so to speak. And I think if you remain true to who you are and keep that up, you don't have to worry about keeping up an act if it's not an act. So, you know, I have a pretty thick skin and whatever was thrown my way, I just let it roll off my back and kept moving forward. Do you think, um, if I could follow up on that, do you think if you would have went at them and butted heads? Um, Cause it seems like you took the, the, the road where, you know, you, you earn the respect and then they kind of realize, okay, well, let's let her in some more that you were chartering some uncharted waters. And do you think it would have been a different outcome if you would have just like tried to kick down the door, guns ablazing? Do you think they would have rejected you more uh, than what they did? And then a hundred percent. I think yeah. you're right. I think that that wouldn't have worked because that isn't who I am. I mean, I'm tough on the inside, but I'm not, you know, some gun toting gang girl that's going to come in there and argue and go toe to toe with somebody. I mean, when I have to, you know, the times when I've had to be tough, I can be tough. Correct. Um, and when you're a woman and you're tough, you're called a bitch. And that became more of a compliment to me than anything else, because I realized I was doing my job. Right. Um, and you can't insult me. I don't get insulted very easily. So I didn't really let anything deter me or slow me down. And I'm not the type that's going to cry or go, oh, why did you say that? Or if a guy dropped his towel and tried to you know, throw me off my game by doing something stupid like that, I never let it bother me or showed that it bothered me. Because the minute you let a bully see that it affects you, they'll keep bullying you over and over. So if you act like it doesn't bother you, they just stop because they're not getting any satisfaction out of it. But I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have succeeded if I tried to go toe to toe and argue back or, or fight fire with fire. I don't think that would have worked. Do you think after a while and then, you know, they realize you, you were there to stay and you're kind of like one of them and you're just trying to, you know, do the best. Um, do you think they started looking at you like a, a sister or, you know, and bringing you in more, or is it still constantly, was it always constantly a fight? No, I, I think that eventually everybody, you know, and, and everybody always treated me, I would say, treated me with respect. Sure. I don't remember any 
particular incidences that were horrible or that were traumatic to me, like the Me Too movement, but I always treated it with humor. So if somebody did say something off color or whatever, I didn't go, oh, boo-hoo, and I'm going to report you. You know, it was always like, whatever, you know, I, I just kind of laughed it off. And I had some wonderful fighters and they were like, really like family to me. And they were always there for me. So if someone gave me a hard time, usually one of my guys would, would be there. And Bronco can answer that better from his perspective because he was one of my fighters. So he knows what it's like to have a woman manager. So I'm going to turn that over to him and get his viewpoint. Yeah. That's well, what I was going to ask. I mean, as far as, as far as in the game, Jackie's success spoke for itself. So, so she earned her respect because she was so successful. I mean, she had, she had the number one pound for pound fighter in the whole world at the time. Everybody was wanting to get to Jackie. So to get to James and she was, she was holding the cards, but she, you know, her as a manager for, for the fighters, we always, um, Jackie treated us, we, we weren't treated like fighters um, because in, in the game, in, in the sport of boxing, um, fighters are, they're the last person really on the totem pole. I mean, they're, they're, they're the, if anybody's mistreated in that game more than anything, it's the fighters. But when you came up under Jackie, you were treated like an extended family. Like she was your mom, you know, she looked out for you. I can remember after fights, sometimes taking us uh, to go shopping uh, to get some shirts and get some shorts stuff. You know, we want our fight. Here's your money, but here's a bonus. We're going to go shopping and, and then Jackie introduced me to so many just neat people throughout my life and uh, just opened doors and let me see things that a kid from here from Monroe, Michigan, never thought he would see in his life, you know, and, and I've got friends to this day because uh, Jackie took the chance of signing me. Um, yeah, I, I always say this in the interview I'm in, I love Jackie Callen and she changed the whole direction of my life and changed my life totally. Um, and most of the time when a boxing relationship is over contractually, it's usually over altogether. But me and Jackie have never lost touch. We've always stayed friends, um, you know, get together at different uh, events here and there, see her at fights still. Um, so Jackie was was a special person in the game of boxing because she didn't look at you as just that fighter, that piece of meat that I'm just going to throw you in there, get what I can and move on. She looked out for you, wanted you to have a better life after boxing. You know, always try to tell guys to prepare themselves because you never know what's going to happen. And um, like I said, she treated us, she treated us like a mom. I mean, Jackie was was good to me. I, I could I could never speak a bad word ever about Jackie Callen, ever. Yeah, did, that's, did did it make you feel like you had to protect her at all though? I mean, was it was it? Oh all? yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you, you, your mom walks into a seedy right. place, and boxing itself is is you know a seedy sport kind of. <laughs> and yeah, you can believe you can believe people might have whispered from the from the bleachers, but nobody nobody ever came up to Jackie with us there as fighters and said anything disrespectful for her because to her, we would have jumped her like we would somebody talking to our mom or our sister. Believe that. Now, now Jackie, do you, is there, are there any women managers or right now? Is it, is it, have you, you feel like you've opened a door for, for future women to be a part of the boxing or. Well, I hope so. I hope that I inspired other women to want to get into the sport. And there are some here and there. Um, not a lot. It's still strictly a male sport. Um, there's a few females that have gotten involved either as fighters. Um, I know Ann Wolf was a fighter and a trainer. Um, there's a couple of girls, Michelle Rosado, who got into promoting for a little while. Um, Serafina and uh, Rachel. Um, you know, there, there's been a few. Rachel Charles is, a, is 
now getting into management and PR. So there's been a few, but very few. You know, I would have expected far more. Yeah. But it's a tough business and it's not for most people. You know, it's a tough business boxing. It's not a glamorous sport. It's not like the movie business or TV. You're dealing with down, greedy people and you have to have the right personality for it. I mean, when I started, the fighters were my kid's age, basically. And as the years have gone by, now they're not just my grandkids age. They're younger than my grandkids older than my fighters so you know at this point it's a different game to me because i'm like the og i'm you know i'm the old timer i'm old school so i don't know if this this equates but do you feel and you talked about women actually boxing uh i I just seen recently the ncaa uh their basketball tournament the women had one rack of dumbbells for their training facility and the men had an entire like twenty five thousand square foot, you know, gym. Do you, what do you think that the like women in sports their their TV, their their ratings, their their pay, uh, their equipment, they're just overall seem to be given less than than the men's, you know, the men's divisions. Well, I think it's the same across the board in the corporate world, in politics, and in, in most fields. It's still a man's world in many ways. Um, ceilings have been broken and doors have been broken down and women have walked paths that they hadn't previously. But there still isn't total equality and it isn't an equal world for men and women pay-wise and benefits-wise. But, you know, I'm not going to get on a platform and, right. and preach, but um, that's a good example of what it's like. And it's still like that in women's boxing and in women's sports, in the business world. And in other walks of life, women are still treated second class, unfortunately. Um, Bronco, actually, this question is for both of you. Speaking of women's sports and stuff like that, since both of you have gotten into boxing, have you noticed women boxing grow? Um, And if you have, um, like, what do you think the future for women's boxing is well, well go ahead, you want to go first Bronco? yeah i'll go first i mean I, I i don't know i don't know that that i've seen it grow um i know right now like clarissa shields who who is is trying to be the face of uh, women's boxing being a two-time olympic gold medalist a multiple uh world champion in multiple weight classes unified belts uh, i mean she she she's trying to be the uh, face of women's women's boxing but Back in the day when um, you had like Christy Martin and you had Mia St. John and, and, and you had Ann Wolf shoot. Now Ann Wolf was Ann Wolf was a monster of, of a boxer. That I now I'd put her pretty much in against anybody in her weight class, male or female. She was special. But like um, back then, even even women's boxing when 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 it was at the, at the oh, of course Layla Ali can't leave her out. But when it was at the peak. Um, a lot of these uh, women were fighting like under Oscar De La Hoya's undercard and being featured as as a, as a being featured on a card that everybody in the world was watching, you know. So so they had more people watching, more views. Boxing right now just doesn't. I haven't seen a high profile, a real high profile fight where they featured a high profile female. I mean, they just tried to do a an all uh, female pay per view card in Flint, uh, headlining. Uh, Clarissa Shields, I don't know how the numbers turned out, but uh, 
I don't I don't know. I don't I think I don't think it's right now to me. I don't think it's on an upswing. Uh, even men's boxing is, is not where it should be because it used to be everybody in our generation. We all knew who Marvin Hagler, Tommy Irons, Roberto Duran, Sugar Ray Leonard. We could name every middleweight, welterweight, heavyweight champion. And now it's just uh, it's just not that it's just not that way currently. Yeah. Did we lose Jackie? Oh, yes. there she is. Oh, oh, there she is. Uh, well, you, you mentioned movies earlier. It's not like a movie. Uh, I just had a, I have to bring up the movie. Uh, 2004, you had a, a movie created about basically your life called Against nope, the Road. Not, no, 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 no. It was supposed to be created by, you know, based on my life, whatever. But they changed it so much that it ended up like I made them change it to inspired by my life because okay. it really didn't follow the true story at all. So that's that movie wasn't what it should have been. It was a decent movie, but it wasn't my life. But since my battery's starting to kind of run down here, I want to answer your question about women's boxing, because <laughs> in the late 90s, I was the commissioner for female boxing for the IFB uh, Women's Boxing Federation. And uh, there were quite a few then. And it was getting to be very popular. And then there were less and less girls that were going into the gyms. And then after that, HBO refused to have female fighters. And so they didn't have as much of an audience. And um, other than Clarissa Shields, I can't really name maybe Katie Taylor, but there aren't very many anymore that you could even name. So it just never really caught on the way we thought it was going to. Now, do you think uh, now um, with, a lot of female wrestlers, you know, in the professional wrestling and you see more, their matches are highlighted more. Um, do you think maybe uh, channels of distribution like an HBO would maybe give um, uh, women's boxing uh, another shot at, because if you don't have TV and you know, you, you're going to not build an audience. So you're a hundred percent, right. A hundred percent, right. If they had the exposure, Right. I will say that on most cards, and if I disappear, guys, you'll know the battery's gone. But on most cards, the women's fight, Bronco will tell you, is often one of the best fights of the night. There's That's something fact. about seeing two women fight. People love it. Right, Bronco? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. They, 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 they don't, because unlike, unlike, in my opinion, unlike the, the men, they don't sit home and study all these tapes and worry about what gloves they're wearing and what shoe size they have, and what their trunks look like and how tall. They just fight. That bell rings and they go and they fight. They fight. There's now, like no fear. It's crazy. Now, <laughs> have you been Oh, my bad, Gary. Go ahead. I was going to say, do you think UFC has hurt boxing as far as uh, the views? I do. I think that it's taken away a portion of our audience. I think that because it's so much more visible, there's so many more. UFC is on all the time. You turn on the TV and you see, you know, fights in the in the cage so you see a lot of cage fighting and there isn't as much of the pure boxing that there used to be we used to have Y world of sports cbs we used to have boxing on tv usa sports tuesday nights friday night fights you don't have that anymore and so i do think it's cut into us what do you say bronco well I, to take it a step further, where I see where I see the differences too, in the in, in the boxing now, everybody feels like they have to have the you know no loss on their records. They, they, you know you can't lose a fight or all you know it's all over for you. And and in the MMA, these these champions, most of them, not all of them, there's a few 
but most of them have five, six, seven, eight losses because they fought the best other guys or girls in their division. See, in the MMA, they make the best fight the best. There is no, well, my promoter says I can't fight this guy in this network or this girl on this channel or whatever, and, and I want 60%, you get 40 and you know what? All the, all the crazy reasons for fights not to happen, the MMA doesn't allow that. And boxing also, to me, is a generational sport. It's, it's a sport that you pass along through, through, you know, through your family. My dad, my dad watched boxing. I watched boxing. My oldest daughter is a huge boxing fan. She came up in the, you know, the, the, the heyday of my, of my boxing career. So I just think that um, this newer generation, they, they love the MMA. They, they, they love the, just the different barbaricness of it. I don't know if that's a word, but it is for this show, barbaricness. I like that. Yeah, of the no sport. on this show. Right, right, right. So I just think, uh, but I just don't think that um, it is about exposure too. Also, I mean, back in the day, everybody, if you never even watched a boxing match, you knew who the heavyweight champion of the world was. That was the most recognizable athlete on the, on the planet at, at one time in sports. And now you could go, I could go out my door right now and ask 20 people who the heavyweight champion. I'd be lucky if five of them knew. Do you now, think that, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Now, do you think that, that it takes so long for a championship fight to occur? Like MMA, they're, they're fighting championship fights every other month, it seems like. But it seems like in boxing, it's always been, you know, in a year or in two years, you might have two or three fights total for the championship. Is that is that something that you think hurts the, the business? Well, I can answer that. I mean, there's so many title fights all the time in, in MMA, whereas in boxing, a guy can fight two, three times a year at the most. It takes him four or five years to get up there to a title. It's a different sport, but you're right that it is taking our audience. So I don't think you could argue that. Now, now Bronco, um, now, if uh, have you ever trained a female fighter? And would you ever train a female fighter? I've never, I've never like trained a female fighter. Mm -hmm. I've never really even personally trained a male fighter, to be honest with you. I've, okay. I've helped out and given tips and pointers, but no, I, I have. Now, my oldest daughter on hand pads, if you saw her on hand pads, she's a monster. I swear. I keep telling her, I know you're 32, but one year I can make you a millionaire. We laugh about it because she's just <laughs> a monster. But no, I mean, I remember sparring with uh, Mary Jo Sanders uh, when, when, when she used to come to our gym. Uh, Charlie Sanders was her dad, the, uh, uh, the receiver for the Detroit Lions. But she was a really good fighter. Kara Rowe was another girl from Detroit. So. I mean, I, I've, I've worked with them, and, and, yeah, I would absolutely work with, with a female fighter. I've done it here in Monroe for years with the amateurs. I go down and work out with some of the young female fighters and male fighters, too. But, um, yeah, absolutely. I, it's, it's, to me, it's just, you know, if, if they have talent and they have discipline and drive and want to work for something, absolutely I would help them. Now, is there a different technique um, in women's boxing and male boxing, or is it kind of the same? And, uh, you know, how would you address something like that? Or do they have all different techniques? No, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not different techniques per se. You know, what a good trainer does is looks at, looks at a fighter, male or female, and uh, builds their strengths and tries to work on their weaknesses. You can't train everybody the same. Everybody is different. Somebody's got, Somebody might have a great jab and, and, and a bad left hand or a great jab and a bad right hand. So you utilize that jab, not even worry about, you know, you, you work on the different aspects of, of a fighter. And, 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 you know, when you start training a fighter right off the bat early, what they have and what they don't. Yeah. We're going to wrap it up here shortly, but I, I did want to ask both of you guys is like Bronco and Jackie, is there a fight that you always wanted to get, you know, get signed that you couldn't do? And Bronco, is there a fight that you always wanted to have that you didn't get? 
Well, I'll start first, uh, and then I'll let Bronco go. But um, I tried to make James Tony and Julian Jackson, who uh, was that would have been a really good fight. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen, and I wanted James Tony to fight Bernard Hopkins, the executioner, yeah. and I think that would have been a great fight. And that one didn't happen, but um, yeah, I think those both would have been really interesting fights. Uh, Bronco, what about you? Fernando Vargas. Um, I wanted the Fernando Vargas fight. Um, I actually, actually at one point had a contract for that fight. And then uh, Fernando Vargas' uh, promoter, Dino Duva, went into um, a rehab. And uh, Shelly Finkel killed the deal. That was his manager at the time. But that's the fight I wanted. And, of course, during my heyday in my era, everybody wanted a piece of the Golden Boy because that was the golden ticket. You know, yeah. But, you know, neither one of those ever came to fruition. But uh, I guess I, I – I, I love Winky Wright, but I wish he was. I wish he'd have been one generation before or after me because I'd have, I'd have rode through that junior middleweight division for probably about three, four years straight without that guy in there. I'd have, I'd have went down undisputed. He, I, everything he did, I would have did if he wasn't there at the same time. That's why I love him and hate him at the same time. But no, you I had a lot of fights with him, didn't you? What's that? You had several fights with him, didn't you? Three, three, three. fights. Yeah, yeah. Still to this day, I feel I felt I feel that I won the first one. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did win the first one. I yeah. clearly a hundred percent unequivocally he won that fight. It's just there are decisions that are just not right. When Tommy fought Ray the second time, it was considered a draw, but he clearly beat him. Ray will tell you that. It's just the way boxing goes sometimes. Yeah. Every once in a while you'll get a gift when you really didn't win a fight and you got it. And other times you get robbed. So that's the nature of the sport. No. Last thing, you guys, we've mentioned James Tony a lot. Is, is he in the Hall of Fame or, or why is he not in the Hall of Fame? I'm... He will be. You have to go in five years after you're retired, I okay. guess. All right. Because I've heard somebody say he wasn't in the Hall of Fame, and I, I just for sure thought that he was a shoe-in and didn't understand. I think so. Oh, he's a shoe-in. If, if James Tony, if James Tony doesn't go in the Hall of Fame, they can shut the doors. That place doesn't belong. That guy's a shoe-in, 100%. Could I ask uh, one question before we leave? Um, to follow up on Gary's, if you could pick any period in time and go back and manage a boxer or Bronco, you fight a boxer um, at any period in time, who would it be? Well, obviously, it would have been great to to manage somebody like Muhammad Ali. That would have been a, a great ride. It would have been fun to manage Mike Tyson. Challenging, but but interesting. Um to manage a heavyweight champion of the world, I think, is the ultimate. I think I would have really enjoyed that. Um, I think I would have liked to, if I could go back in time, I really would have enjoyed managing Joe Lewis during the Max Schmeling fights in that era. And maybe mm -hmm. maybe Rocky Marciano, managing him might have been fun, too. Yeah. And Bronco? Quite honestly, I was I was happy with the era I came up in because the generation right before me was just a generation of killers. That was the Tommy Hearns, Duran, Hagler, Benitez, Leonard. That was that generation 10 years before me. So I'm glad I came up in the generation I came up in. That was just fine for me. I just yeah. wanted Winky to come up either one after or one before. <laughs> that <had been> <laughs> hey, It's been great having you guys on. It was a pleasure meeting you, Jackie, Bronco. And Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, just keep it going. You guys are doing great things. Uh, keep you're going to keep managing, right? You got Russ. Oh, absolutely. Got going on. So best of luck to you. Thank and you. We will talk to you guys soon. Terry and Gary's Low Expectations podcast next week. We got Danny McLean 
We're going to talk about opening day with the Detroit Tigers and his records and everything Danny likes to talk about. So, all right. Tune in. See you, everybody. Thank you. See you guys later. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jack.